What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab a nice cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks at a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Sean Eubanks. Thank you for joining us and welcome to Blunt Business. I'm Sean Eubanks, your host. And to, on today's show, we're going to have Alex Hogan of Chem History. Chem History is Oregon's premier laboratory providing comprehensive QA and QC, ensuring patient safety and regulation compliance. Chem History's laboratory meets and exceeds all requirements through analytical testing methodologies, state-of-the-art instrumentation, and highly trained specific personnel. Chem History's goal is to give clients the documentation to prove that products are safe and meet expectations by providing the highest quality analytical testing services. There's a three-day turnaround time for analytical services, including microbial screening. Chem History employs methodologies compliant with cannabis monograph as set forth by Cannabis, Botanical Medicine, and American Herbal Pharmacopedia, and the suggested methodology. So, Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, Alex, how did you get started in this industry? Well, um, I'm an entrepreneur by, you know, that's what I've been doing the last 30 years. And my son actually had graduated uh, a couple years prior in biochem from Gonzaga University. And uh, he was selling lab equipment uh, for uh, Agilent Technologies. And uh, he was kind of on the... Uh, awareness of what was going down in the testing world and he always wanted to open a lab and of some kind and we we always toured with what idea that would be and uh, we heard that there was a law that was going down in Oregon called HB 3460 which uh, law which was the first pretty much in the nation um, for uh, where they were going to require pesticide testing on cannabis and so one thing led to another. We decided, let's go for it, um, I thought at the time, and decided to move up here and go for it. So it's the, the short of the long story. Excellent. So you're in business with your son. You guys are kind of a family business then. Yeah, we're a family business. Um, my son actually doesn't work for me uh, now, but um, uh, that's basically how we got started. Um, we, have a, we started out with just... Uh, 
myself and a chemist that we had hired. And uh, three years later, we have 15 employees, and uh, we're, we're definitely busy. Wonderful. And so you started Chem Chemistry uh, in 2014. So to your point, you've been doing this several years. Yes, uh, we we uh, started right as the law went into effect. Um, unfortunately, the law was uh, was written, but it wasn't um, funded. So when we got involved, um, we thought that we were going to be in trouble. Uh, we went out and bought uh, because of the pesticide law that came down. We went out and bought um, what they call as an LC triple quad, which is what you need to see pesticides at the level that the law had basically. Uh, outline, which is uh, 100 parts per billion um, in the cannabis, because cannabis is uh, federally uh, no for cannabis, so uh, they came out with these four classes of pesticides, and so the law was really vague. So we were kind of naive jumping in at that very moment, and what we found out really fast was that um, we were only one of two labs uh, in, in all of Oregon that could even test for the pesticides based on that law. And now we were um, opening shop um, to an industry that was using a lot of pesticides. And so it was quite an interesting journey um, the last three years until October 1st when um, the regulations were it – took, it took a good two years for the regulations to be developed outside of the law – in order for the testing, the real testing to take effect. So now everything is tracked through metrics and we use also a, a company called Confident Cannabis that um, is a software company out of California. And everything that we do is tracked from basically seed to sell. Um, and the rules really didn't kick in until October 1st and that's when um, it was the game changer. You know, lab and an unregulated is is painful because if results that they are looking for they simply just drive across the street and get them over there so and when it comes to pesticides um again it's uh a little unfortunate for growers because they they don't have anything to use because everything is um not approved so they're stuck using things like um, garlic oil, cinnamon oil, thyme oil, um, or they'll, they'll use like um, good good pests, meaning good bugs that will go in and eat the bad bugs. So it mm -hmm. takes a really seasoned grower um, to really that really knows what they're doing to be successful up here in Oregon. Um, so eventually, as time goes on, I'm sure what will happen is there will there will be there are some natural pesticides that could be used on pest, on uh, cannabis, but um, unfortunately, because of the way it works with the F, you know with the FDA uh, uh, Department of Agriculture, they have to be vetted a whole bunch of different things before they're approved. So there are some natural ones out there. It's just that they can't be used. Do you feel like this the overall your overall view of the program in Oregon? Do you feel like it's it's too stringent and that has resulted in some downward pressure on the market? Or do you feel like they're right in line with where they need to be testing for pesticides and keeping as clean as they can? Um, well, I think to the credit of innovators out there and people that are doing it right, uh, 
there's some well there's a lot i mean there's uh i think the regulations have served their purpose i think there was uh, a, a downward pressure on the market that really hurt October, November, December, um, where people were like, you know, wake up call, like what have we been doing and we can't do it this way. And, but there has, there, there is a lot of people in the industry that had figured it out already. And those are the ones that are in a really good position because they've figured it out. Um, so it is, it is an interesting, um, market in the sense of people people innovating to the point where they're able to produce these large crops of cannabis without pesticides on them so it's it's a, it's a great credit to Oregon and Oregonians up here that have you know figured out how to do it because it's not that easy um to grow without pesticides because there's always something there's you know, mildew or fungus or pests or there's there's this you know, and and these guys that have um, been up here for years and years doing it have figured it out, and it's to their credit that um, this industry up here is going to be in a good position once it becomes legal through the United States where they can export their product because they've got a really good product up here uh, that they're going to be able to export to other states. And for our listeners. Are there any pesticides that are allowed in Oregon? Or are you saying it's pesticide-free? There, well, there's a list of 60 pesticides, so that's what we test for. It's not to say that someone couldn't potentially be using a pesticide that's not on that list, but the most commonly used pesticides that were found on cannabis were were studied um, in this. Uh, document called the American Pharmacopoeia uh, for Cannabis. And there's about 20 in there that you could look and see that are on the organ list, and there's about 40 others. Um, Ultimately, it comes down to out of the 60, there's probably 20 that we see most of the time, and the others we see rarely. Um, And for instance, Michelobluttonel is Eagle 20, which is... um, fungicide that one we we've seen a lot um and the unfortunate thing is in the for pesticide use in general is that when you extract oil it you know condenses the pesticides by you know 50 to 100 times so you see these humongous spikes in the oils so if you're planning to turn your crop into oil that you can put into a vape pen um, or into some sort of ingestible, um, you can't use pesticides or it's going to destroy your product. Right. How does Walk us through that. If, if you have a cultivator that's going to test at a certain parts per million, it's, it's allowed, and then it gets extracted – and then amplified, if you will, and then now it's testing hot or just uh, not approved. Um, does the extraction lab then go back to the cultivator? I mean, all that's tracked through metric. You know how it how it, it comes about, and you're obviously offering some tracking as well and some data. Who 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 gets blamed for that, or is there a different requirement if you're going to extract for concentrates and others? Um, well, it's it's been only, like I said, the last six months where this has been going on. Um, 
what we were doing in the past is we were doing advisories. So people would come in and test their product, and if it tested bad, they wouldn't submit it for um, compliance testing through metrics. But okay. but now the regulation has gotten tighter to where everything, including advisories, have to be tracked. So mm-hmm. that so basically what happens, um, they are changing um, supposedly in the next week or 10 days, Oregon may have a change where they could potentially remediate their product, meaning if it was te- if it tested for pesticides, they'd have the ability to fix that potentially. There are ways to take the pesticide out of the oil. It, it, is, it is difficult, but it can be done, and it, it can be done on some but not all pesticides. Um, so they are going to allow for that to potentially happen where right now, if, if it tests uh, positive for a pesticide that's on that list, they basically have to destroy the product. So it, it can be very um, hurtful in the sense of like their bottom line. As far as the consumer goes, that's what the consumer wants. I mean, the consumer wants clean product and um, especially up here in Oregon, the, the consumers are really educated and they, they don't want pesticides in their product. Okay. Hey, Alex, we're going to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to be speaking with Alex Hogan of Kim History. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to dig into new testing regulations as of January 1st, 2017. We're going to talk about issues with pesticide in the testing process, and we're going to talk about the importance of testing cannabis. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. Providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks. I'm here with Alex Hogan of Kim History today, a testing lab out of Oregon. Welcome back, Alex. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, so, so diving into new testing regulations as of January 2017. What's new? 
Um, a lot of things are new. Things are changing rapidly. Um, interestingly enough, uh, the original regulations that were done out in committee over the course of a year, once they got implemented October 1st, uh, have changed five, six, maybe seven times from the, the Oregon uh, Liquor Commission who oversees the regulation here in Oregon. So I don't know what they, you know, they, they've got a lot of pushback from the industry about the stringent laws and stuff like that. Um, but as far as new stuff, um, they're, they are coming down with something new in the next week or so. It's been held under wraps, which is kind of weird that they're not reaching out to the labs to find out what our opinion is on, on everything. But um, it's kind of politics in general. Uh, but yeah, uh, new stuff that could come down, they're going to increase the batch sizes. Um, currently right now, the original law was a 10-pound batch that needed to be tested. Uh, every 10-pound batch would have to be tested. Um, but over the course of the last three or four months, because of the slowdown in the labs, um, because of all the testing, uh, they've increased the batch size to 30 pounds. So they may even go higher on that. We'll see. There, there is some um, pressure for them to uh, have the testing under the Oregon Department of Agriculture and treat it more like an agricultural product. Um, but when you have you know, a high uh, market or a high demand in the market for a product that goes for you know, $2,000 to $2,500 a pound, there is a lot of incentive for someone who finds himself in trouble to use a, a pesticide. Um, and, and again, we even even once the regulations have kicked in, and we, we don't see them as much as we used to, but we definitely still see pesticides all the time. Okay, and in the state of Oregon, what's a representative batch uh, that that uh, of that ten pounds? How much do you have to have sent in to uh, to have tested? So the way it works in Oregon is we actually go to the grow site, or they could bring their ten pounds to us. Um, and we pick a random sample. So uh, they have, might have it in a bunch of bins, and we'll go over there, and we have a, an actual s a standard operating procedure that we um, use a random uh, generator, a, a random number generator, and basically we, we pick a number, and it tells us to go into this spot in the batch and pull a sample. And we, we typically pick seven increments out of that batch, and it has to be half a percent. So if, if you had, say, a 10-pound batch, we would take 22 grams, or if you had a 5-pound batch, we'd take, like, 11 grams. And uh, then we bring it back to the lab, and we grind it up, and we use it for uh, the test. All right, and so that's about a 20,000-pound sample. What do you do with the rest of it? Does it go back to the cultivator? Um, well, they have the option of coming and getting their sample, but no one really does. Um, so we, we basically just uh, sell it off to a processor. We, so we pull the pesticide ones out, and then we take the, the, the waste, and we sell it to a processor that makes it into oil. Okay. Yeah, so, it's, so again, to recap, it's a half a percent. Um, so if a pound is 454 grams, we would take like two and a half or two and a quarter grams per pound. Okay. All right. And then um, you're also, we talked a lot about pesticides, just, but I want to talk about potency and, 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 and get into some different, different testing, uh, obviously flour versus edibles. And I want to talk about a little bit about that, but to finish up on pesticides, Alex, what are some of the ones, the number one, one most damaging, harmful pesticides that are always caught that people try to, might try to use still or in the, are in the process of phasing out? 
Okay, um, sure. Well, we see a lot of bifenthrin. Um, a lot of times, you know, bifenthrin you can buy at Home Depot, um, and a lot of people will spray it around the edges of the room. They won't even spray it on the plant, or they'll spray it on the, even on the outside of their building to keep bugs from coming in. Um, okay. But unfortunately, bifenthrin emits a gas, and that gas is picked up by the plants, and it will make your your batch of weed fail. Um, and then we also test for uh, chlorophenopur, which is um, another commonly one that we find, cyfluthrin. Uh, I would say the number one is probably now, which is that one I was telling, which is called Eagle 20. Uh, the thing, interesting thing about that that's been in the news lately, when people smoke that, so, so a lot of these pesticides um, you'll find on grapes and other things, and they, they have a much higher level of action limit um, on them. But, um, for instance, Michael Bluton, now the Eagle 20, uh, when you smoke that, it actually turns into uh, a poison um, very similar to cyanide. So um, it is different with pesticides when people smoke them versus ingesting them. Um, and so I do think that the action level should be lower for, for, for people that are going to smoke. Um, now for edibles, um, you know, you can, you can have a much higher action level for edibles than you would for, for flour and or, say, uh, concentrates that you're going to smoke. Yeah, that's a great point you bring up because a lot of people will push back on that. I know we're trying to copy other industries and we're trying to say, listen, this is what's going on in ag. Uh, you know, if you only knew what was in your strawberries, you, you kind of heard that pushback. But what a wonderful point. I had There was someone, a gentleman that was speaking with M about MS and, and his um, and how certain a lack of testing allowed a lot of lead to get into his medicine and for MS for him that was almost fatal right so getting back to medicine and what it is and what it's useful but um, I love that you bring up the point that look these are these are appropriate regulations that serve the market for people who are smoking and it, it, it needs to be different it needs to be more stringent so yeah, that's a great point. So is the climate in Oregon, I mean, Oregon seems very, very interested in how clean cannabis can be. And I'll, and I'll contrast that with Colorado, where Colorado tends to have, you know, testing done and people want to brag about the yield. They want to brag about the potency. And so uh, and, and they want to market that. So it, it's good because it drives more testing and more information to the customer. But two different markets. W would you agree that it's more on the um the cleaner in Oregon versus the potency side. Oh, absolutely, yes. Um, I think that um, Oregon is a, is a big agricultural state. They've been doing, you know, uh, growing grapes and hops and um, all kinds of stuff uh, for the wine and beer industry for a long time. And, you know, they, they, they're like a really um, – action-oriented they you know I don't know if you saw on the news like when all that stuff was going down with Trump and they're they want to they want to be activists and they want things to be right so they speak out so this is a, a great state for cannabis to be born because it's gonna take care of a lot of the stuff that really needed to be taken care of right from the beginning and, and Oregon's doing that there has been a lot of pushback uh, like you were saying um, it has been difficult for, for, for people that have been doing the same old thing all this time and using the same pesticide and getting away with it um, and, and you know there's that one of the one of the lobbyists stood up in a, in a meeting um, a 
couple weeks ago because the, the, there are some new rules that could drastically reduce the pesticide testing in Oregon, uh, which which would be kind of going backwards. But there was lobbyists that stood up and said, "Oh no, everyone's been smoking weed for the last 30 years, and no one no one has a problem." Well, we don't really know that, right? How do, how do you really measure that? You know, you don't. And so to just say that is is just not right. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. So on the I'm on your website, kimhistory.com. Let's talk a little bit about potency testing and and how that's different and 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 how big of a market that is. Well, that is the market. Um, if you, unfortunately, if you have um, a product that tests low, now low meaning probably, you know, 10 to 15 percent, um, you're just not going to get as much money. So I would say if you're testing over 20 percent, you're probably going to get, you know, 2000 to $2,500 a pound, depending on the time of the year. Um, but if you have something that's say 10, 12, 13%, you're probably going to get like $1,200 a pound. So it drastically changes your whole business plan. If, if you can't grow stuff that yields a high percent of THC, then you're not going to have fun trying to sell your product because no one wants to buy it. Um, now the, the extraction, if you've, if you've grown it well enough to where you have to use pesticides and it's not going to show up in that final product, then you're, you're probably still in an okay place. But um, it's just been again in the last over the last year, these big come in, um, you know, five and ten thousand square foot canopies and some big outdoor canopies to where um, you're going to start seeing these higher yields. Um, so it's going to be really interesting over the marketplace because there are a lot of big farms coming on that are going to you know push a lot of product out on the market it's going to see it's going to be interesting to see where the prices go and so there are a lot of guys that are like the craft buds you know like the the craft beer kind of guys and they sure. have a really super good product that are hoping that they're going to be able to still um eke out a niche in the marketplace which I think they will be because um it is difficult to grow um cannabis um in a in a great big huge you know uh outdoor indoor canopy so does that put pressure on you, Alex, as a business owner if uh, for potency? So we, we talked a little bit about it earlier, and that's a massive sample that you ask your, your clients to bring in. But obviously they have an incentive. They can flat out make a lot more money if they can claim it's over 20%. Do you worry that people are going around you or are you worried? Do you feel pressure that you're, if your test doesn't come out right or maybe you're taking a sample that they'd rather you sample another part? You know, they kind of, uh, they want to handpick everything and, and obviously have an incentive to have it done that way. Do you feel pressure that if you don't get the result, they're going to go to another lab? Um, well, honestly, uh, pre-October, just six months ago, that's what it was. It was the wild, wild west where they would just hand us uh, three samples or three grams on a sample. And if we didn't get them the number that they thought that they deserved, they would just go to another lab. So the pressure is absolutely huge in an unregulated market um now that we're regulated we're accredited by the state of oregon through a company called uh or a crediting body called orlap or the, they use the t9 standards which are uh even more stringent than the iso standards and so we're uh we're not really even supposed to do retests um they do allow for it um but if you um say someone comes in and they 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 think there should be 20 and it comes in at 12, um, they're going to call and they're obviously going to be something wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um. Want to hear something amazing? 
Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. So we'll go ahead and retest. But if it doesn't come ab- above 20% of that original number, um, you know, say it came up one point, we're not going to go and regenerate the report. Um, it has to come up at least 20%. I mean, there are potential problems that can go wrong in a lab, and someone may could, you know, there's a few little places where something like that could potentially happen. But I would say 98% of the time, it, the number comes back the same. So okay. we're really because it takes the pressure off us, and, and um, you know, we don't have to feel that pressure and that pressure is definitely there when we still get even in regulation we get people calling and complaining all the time Hmm. so a standard deviation aside is there any way for a lab to fudge numbers do you worry about your competitors doing that um i you know i don't i don't particularly worry about it um because i just feel like you know we do the best job we can and let the chips fall, right? And if, those, if that guy has to, the other, if the competition has to do that, that's 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 what you have to do continuously to, to keep that kind of thing up. Um, but I definitely think it's possible. I mean, just even in our own uh, regulations of our accrediting body, you know, we have to go through ethics classes, um, just, you know, constantly be reminded that, that you you know this this is what it is you you can't do that kind of stuff because it totally screws with everything so um you know we ha- we teach our we teach our employees that our employees don't feel the pressure because you know they they're back there just doing their job you know um yeah. but the front the front office like myself um I'm the business director and I get those calls all the time and and uh yeah it's definitely the pressure's there but uh, we we have a, a separation from the business side to the science side, so um, you know we don't have that problem. But I could see okay. it potentially being a problem. Business side, Alex, are you um, is is there a lot of price competition, or or is that an issue? As far as testing goes, um, yes. Well, the testing we we were lucky to survive the first two years um the testing was so low we were people just beat the hell out of the labs so we would we would go do a test give them so this is this is what it was um pre pre pre-october um if you were a lab um and you the law said you had to do a pesticide test um and a potency test and and a micro test so the pesticide test that we're using with the equipment that we use, um, the LC triple quad and the GC triple quads, if you were to price that out in any other agricultural market, that price just for the pesticide test alone would, would be $200. We were doing t- tests because of other labs that, that were really not doing it right. They didn't have the equipment to do it, but they were stamping it pass and okay. giving out high numbers, whatever. We were getting slaughtered. So, uh, what that really looks like is they were, we were we were taking tests at seventy five to one hundred dollars a test for three separate tests, 
where like again if you price that out in the other market it's going to be you know 350 bucks in any other market um so i think the industry got spoiled with those low testing prices and then when the test went up prices of the test went up they got all bent out of shape um but really, I mean, come on, you want real testing with a real lab that has to be accredited, that has to have the right equipment. I mean, what do you expect? You know what I mean? I mean, just because you only have a pound, that's not my problem. I mean, you should go out and grow 10 pounds so that the price doesn't cost you that much, right? So there's that kind of thing that goes on. I think most people are fine with the prices now uh, that they've gotten into it because their batch sizes have gotten bigger. Um, so... It's it's the, it's like the small, the medium guy that's still growing, you know, a, a pound at a time or one strain at a time. So they have accommodated, the rules have accommodated these guys now where we can, you know, up to 10 pounds. Um, you can have multi-strains in the past where you, if you had one strain, as long as, it, as long as it's harvested at the same time and it's grown in the same room, so to speak, you can get one pesticide test now that would cover um, 10 pounds. In fact, it just went up to 30 pounds. So... The, the things are being adjusted and the the price is, is going to be more relative. Um, but when you really look at it, you're only spending, um, on the consumer side, you're only spending between five and seven cents per gram. So if you walk into a, uh, a dispensary and you buy a gram for 15 bucks, you're only spending, you know, like 45 cents um, of that 15 bucks it would even be that much. So five, five times 15, whatever that is, um, for you to have clean cannabis, you know? So if you want to drop a hundred bucks, um, not to be less than 5%. So it'd be, it'd be like 50 cents. So like on a hundred bucks, you would drop, you'd be, you'd be looking at like 50 cents, you know, tip, tip the guy at the bar, you know, 50 cents. So you have clean cannabis on a hundred dollars. You know, that's nothing. I mean, they're, they're, you're paying more for your packaging than you're paying for your testing. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. Hey, we're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to be with Alex Hogan of chemhistory.com. It is one of Oregon's premier laboratories providing comprehensive quality control and assurance and assuring patient safety. Alex, thanks for joining us. Please don't go away. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. The National Cannabis Industry Association presents the fourth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 12th to the 14th at the Oakland Marriott City Center in Oakland, California. Register now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Meet industry leaders over three days of informative sessions and visit hundreds of vendors along the more than 80,000 square feet of sold-out expo floor. Hear from over 100 thought leaders headlined by feature keynote speaker, former president of Mexico, Vicente Fox. Join us at the epicenter of the cannabis movement sponsored by the industry's only National Trade Association, the fourth annual Cannabis Business Summit and Expo, June 12th through the 14th. Register now at CannabisBusinessSummit.com. Equio, New Frontier's cutting-edge big data platform, puts the information and answers you need right at your fingertips in real time to help you more effectively run your cannabis business. Go to www.equio.io to sign up for your free membership today. Again, that's www.equio.io. Run with New Frontier and let us help you conquer the wild. 
Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks. I'm here with Alex Hogan of Chem History. Oregon's premier laboratory providing comprehensive quality control insurance. Alex, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So um, next steps here, I'm on your website, kimhistory.com. We've talked about potency testing. Let's kind of go, give us a brief overview of residual solvent testing and what that's about and why it's needed. Sure. Um, So residual solvents, uh, solvents are used in general, like butane and uh, propane. Um, they use them to clean their, their isopropyl alcohol, um, acetone, um, other types of solvents they use to clean their equipment. Uh, so these these solvents can be left over and can find themselves in the product. So the testing that's done is basically to look to find the residue of how much is left. And so just like pesticides, there's a limit to how much of that residue of those solvents can be in the product. So uh, there are extraction methods like CO2 extraction that don't use solvents, and they're still required for for solvent testing because uh, a lot of people will still use solvents to... Um, to clean the equipment. Dilute. Well, not only to clean the equipment, but they use it for, um, like, for instance, when we first started in October, um, ethanol, not ethanol, yeah, it was ethanol. Ethanol was on the list um, for uh, solvent testing, but everyone was using ethanol to cut the product. Uh, what that means is, so a lot of times the oil it gets really super hard, and in order to make it go through a vape pen, it needs to be more viscous, you know, a little more uh, runny, so to speak. And so a lot of folks were using ethanol to cut the product to keep it in that state where it would go through a vape pen faster. So uh, the fails, but it turns out that uh, the pressure on the industry, uh, they took that off the list. So people can now use ethanol in their product to cut it. Um, the guys that are doing a really good job are using um, instead to cut the product. Um, and then uh, what we've seen as far as a trend lately is we're seeing more, much more of the distillates. So they're taking um, like everything uh, out of the product or the THC, and then they're they're um, adding back in some terpenes and stuff like that. Um, uh, and they're finding their product is much easier going through vape pens. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of different ways of, of doing it, but the residual solvents is needed. Um, the terpenes is another big thing that we test for. Um, the terpenes are, are naturally found in the plants. They're like the aroma of the plants, but they, they do have medicinal benefits. 
and terpenes are, are, are kind of like the unknown factor. Um, that's the terpenes are kind of what make like a, like an OG an OG or, you know, a skunk, a skunk, you know, it's like that. And that's part of the, um, I mean, I don't know that it's proven to have a psychoactive effect like THC, but it definitely has some different sorts of effects when people smoke them. Um, and, uh, that's those, those are things that we do test for, um, and we we give a, a profile on on those um, on those different compounds. Um, we use a company called Confident Cannabis, and they track all this stuff. And they're in 23 states. Um, we were one of the we were the first lab that actually um, worked with them in the in the software development. And so they have tons and tons of data on different strains. And that's something that any grower out there could go and um, use as a as a source of um, information about terpenes or about THC in general. So yeah, we, we really that, like how those does guys. That data, that's a great point you bring up about um, about the organization. Do they give you a certification? It, you said it's Confident Cannabis. Yes, Confident Cannabis. Um, they. There's some tech guys out of Palo Alto, California, and they approached us like two, two years ago or, or more. Like we were the first ones in Oregon that we were their first, really their first premier lab that they worked with. And we take labs that are accredited um, before they, you know, the first year they just kind of took as many people as they could. But uh, they've they've moved towards the accredited labs now. And um, but but they have a ton of data, so they they developed. Um, a way for us to download all of our data and then make reports and the reports are super nice and slick and they're all on uh, online and they've got a uh, gallery and everything and there's a gallery on our website as well uh, of all the different products that we test for um, but it's, it's really exciting um, to see where it's going um, as time goes on and um, as, as cannabis goes throughout the whole nation yeah, and so so kind of to finish up on solvent. So it sounds like ethanol is the most common solvent that you see pop up, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. And cool. we'll, we'll see like acetone and stuff like that from people cleaning their equipment, and you know, obviously, if it goes over, you know, they have to. That, that was the one thing about um, the concentrates is it's easier to take the solvents out of concentrates than just pesticides. So you can just kind of heat up your product, um, and a lot of those solvents will just will just basically vaporize off the product. So it's much easier to get solvents as pesticides. Yeah, we had a young man on the show last week, and he uh, was creating a, basically a cleaner way to clean your bong instead of acetone. And so people are using acetone in their bong, and then they're smoking out of that bong, which is just really bad. It sounds probably as bad as it sounds. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really good. So he's moving that direction. You're testing and helping out from the plant at the beginning cause, so that the unsuspecting patient – um, knows what's in there. Okay, cool. So next up is microbial testing. Tell us about that, why it's important, and what it entails. Um, well, they've, they've changed the regulations here and there, and they're, they're probably going to bring it back. But uh, pre-October, we used to do a, uh, a mold and mildew or a yeast and mold um, plate, basically. And we would see a lot of moldy um, and yeasty weed. Um, but they don't require that anymore, which is really interesting. I, I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, but we do this thing called a water activity now in its place. And basically what that does is it measures the potential uh, microbial growth in the product. So it's, it's kind of like if you were, if you had a, 
you had a, uh, a box of cereal and you poured it out and it was all nice and crunchy and you put it back on your shelf for a month and you came back and you, and you poured another bowl and it was kind of soggy and, and you knew that something was going to get nasty. Um, that's kind of how it is with um, the water activities. It kind of, um, if they don't have their uh, stuff cured well enough or dried out well enough, they're going to have problems with um, mold and, and yeast and that sort of thing. So that's basically okay. in its place. <clears throat> they're supposed to come back with some more. They do um, testing for that. Wonderful. Okay, so I'm going to do some rapid-fire stuff at you, Alex, because we're, kind of, we're in our last segment here, but I want to get as much information and kind of and let our listeners understand sort of the challenges that, that, that labs like Chem History are facing. We talked a little bit about price competition and, 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 and the pressure there, which seems to kind of balance it out. We know that the consumers being educated, the demand is strong in Oregon. Is, is there a way for you as a vision um, – to for chem history to go across the country and open other labs or are you pretty much just Oregon centric? Uh, well, that's a good question. Um, we have, you know, these pesticide methods that we've developed, we, we have used some consultants and we, we do have um, a really good team of um, scientists here that uh, have worked on these methods. And so there's only actually six uh, maybe seven accredited labs now in Oregon for pesticides. It's, it's not as easy as people would think. So we do have the idea of helping other labs across the country get going, and we've developed a, a seal, which is kind of like you would see for an organic seal or something. We call it Canacheck Approved. And basically what that is is it's, we're kind of getting ahead of the, of the game, which the game could be that the government is not going to regulate it as much, but the consumer wants it. So we came up with a really cool seal called Canacheck Approved, which will um, drive the market to, to do pesticide testing on their own, um, which they should, to keep the confidence of the consumer, because the consumers are ultimately the ones that lose. So we... Um, that's our game plan that we would could help other labs in other states um you know by using the canacheck approved we would help them with the methods and getting um the market place um educated about pesticides uh, especially in cannabis so that's that's kind of our game plan and um uh we we have a, a little bit of an offshoot of that which is just um part of the kind of check approved, which is, you know, vetting growers and, um, you know, learning what they do and their best practices and those things uh, in order to, uh, again, um, keep the confidence of the consumer. Because um, that's ultimately um, where, if you're going to be successful in the, in the you've got to have the, the confidence of the consumer because the consumer is aware of all the problems that um, – have gone on in the past around pesticides um and and i mean cannabis grows like crazy using pesticides um and the buds look really sweet but unfortunately it's also contaminated um with you know potentially toxic chemicals so uh, there is there is uh, that is one thing i have to say again about oregon is that they have done uh, an amazing job innovating to the point where they can grow uh without um, using pesticides and and that's that says a lot because it's not easy. Yeah, I can see on your website, Kim has bottom there, you've got your competent cannabis seal and you've got your Canacheck approved seal uh, in Oregon testing. Maybe the consumer will start to recognize that and, and recognize those groups and hopefully they're, they'll stay in business and stay with their accreditation and, and, and it'll, it'll be a consumer-driven thing 
um, as people be, get more educated about it. I know you've been in business three years. You're successful, Alex. This is, you know, you're past that sort of, you know, time period. Uh, but, but give me an idea of what is the number one issue facing Kim Chemistry, Kim, Kim Chemistry and, and, and what's the biggest challenge you have as a lab right now? Um, the biggest challenge we have right now is just uh, potential for changing regulations. Like I was saying, um, there is uh, there was a lot of pushback in the industry um, because of the of the testing regulations, um, especially from the oil makers, because the oil makers again that that's where most of the pesticide problems really lie, um, which is the spikes in in the concentrates. And there's been a lot of pushback, and so. There, there is a proposed rule right now that would literally allow concentrate makers to only do one pesticide test on one batch per year, and that's it. Uh, which would be crazy because they're 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 actually making new batches like you know four or five batches a day. You know, how much can you push out the door? You know, and we know um, just on the all the. Uh, the statistics already that have come from the uh, Oregon Liquor Commission that 26% of concentrates fell now, and if you back that down to one test per year, then you can pretty much assume that there's going to be a ton of, um, you know, tainted product on the market. So that I would say that's our number one goal, our number one not goal, our number one challenge. Um, and so we can't we can't fund we can't like. Um, you know, fully fund our business the way we want to, and buying extra equipment so that we're we're have faster turnaround time because of this this unknowingness if the if the regulations change and they cut all the pesticide testing out because of the pushback in the industry, it's it's hard for us to go out and make an investment into the future of the of the business. So that's where we're at right now. Hopefully, in a week or two, um, things will calm down and we'll be in a place where we can stay in business and keep doing. That's why we came up with the counter check approved, because if, if for some reason something like that was to come about uh, with the regulations, um, then we're going to put the pressure on the marketplace um, and hopefully the consumers will pay attention and they'll demand that they have pesticide testing on their product and use a company like us that, that will do it for them. Yeah. And. Let me ask you this. Speaking of the future of cannabis testing, where do you see it going? And then the second part of that question is, where would you like it to go instead? Um, it, it's kind of a, um, what would you call it? It's, it's kind of like a, a double-edger because you do need government regulation. Um, and if you don't, it's going to be, like I said, the wild, wild west. Um and then, then the, on that flip side is you have to have people to understand um, the different compounds and the different things that that uh, are happening within the cannabis um, growing cycles and and stuff like that. So, you know, it there there's probably going to be a balance as time goes on where there could be some natural but effective pesticides that could be used, but still being tested for in the sense of that they're not over a certain amount of a limit so that it's safe for the consumer. Um, so that, that's kind of where I, I see it going is uh, that balance that needs to be struck between the government and the industry itself. Um, because there are a lot of things like, for instance, uh, one of the pesticides that we, we test for is uh, uh, spinosad, which 
you know, they lose, you use that on lettuce like two weeks before it even goes to market. And it's considered a clean, green, certified organic compound. Um, and its action limit here in Oregon is like two parts per or 200 parts per billion, which is a really, you know, it's a pretty low action limit. Um, and a lot of growers were using that because it was certified organic, um, but they can't. So there, there's got to be some sort of uh, balance there where they could use it based on a certain level, but again, that's going to take a lot of, uh, again, it's going to have to go through like anything else does in, in the federal government where it's going to have to be, you know, shown and tested that, that it's going to be okay and safe for consumers. So that that's coming, and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that time to, to where it happen. Excellent. So, Alex, if, if I have a choice of testing centers in Oregon, why would I choose yours over someone else's? Um, well, we've been doing it for three years now. Uh, we're, we're the um, – the premier lab that started with confident cannabis, so we've we've got an edge on our our ability to be efficient in the lab. Um, we um, you know we have a really good team here of scientists, um, and we all work hard. We're all passionate about what um, we uh, we're centrally located here in Portland. We're in the southern part of Portland, so we can. Um, we service the whole state. We have field reps that go all over the state, but uh, we're, we are centrally located. And uh, most of all, we, we're just um, we're just we're just good, honest business people that um, are doing our best. We're doing the best job that we can, and we try and we don't try and take advantage of people because of the regulations. We try and give people a fair price, and um, people appreciate it, and that's why we're successful. Excellent, Alex. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, we do need to wrap up this latest edition of Blunt Business. You can download episodes of our program by going to CannabisRadio.com or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and very soon on iHeartRadio. Alex, thank you so much. Uh, ChemHistory.com is the website. Really, really some great. The gallery here is phenomenal. How you lay it out. Very professional. Well done. I want to congratulate you on three years of success already in the industry. And thank you for everything you do for the cannabis community. Okay. Thanks for having me. All right. We'll see you next time. See you next week, guys. Bye-bye. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. 
Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.